Hello and welcome to this week's Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast, a winter break special, sort of, kind of a winter break, a Premier League version of a winter break, but there was still a little bit of top flight action, not for Norwich City though, a rest weekend. I'm Dave Freezer and I am here alongside Paddy Davitt, Connor Southwell and Tony Thrussell and we are also coming to you on Future Radio 107.8 FM and we thought we'd have a catch up because there's still been plenty going on. I've been... uh, Decompressing from football with a week off, Tony. You were on your travels to Morocco. How was how was the weather in North Africa? It was pushing thirty degrees. So Lovely. I was. There was a point. I think it was the day before I came home. We decided to just lay in the sun all day, and I was just contemplating not getting the flight home and, and just never talk to you guys again, <laughs> <laughs> like most uh, weekends. Um, but uh, so it must have been a bit of a shock coming back to what was it called, Storm. Well, I I mean, it's been quite a busy week, actually, because breaking news, if for all you Norwich City fans, um, (laughs) I've got the keys to my new house. So it was quite an excitement coming home. It wasn't a sort of a holiday blues. So, yeah, it's going to be a busy few weeks in and around following Norwich City, try and stay in the Premier League. Which is your first house, isn't it? First house, yeah. Um, So, yeah, there's a lot of things to be doing. Got to decide what shade of green or yellow to paint the walls. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Good yeah. there. Well, congratulations, uh, Paddy and Connor. You've been uh, ploughing on in our stead. I'm sure you managed without us. Um, and Connor, you had an interesting what was it Wednesday night when it was the Tottenham yeah. v Spurs game when we finally found out that Norwich would be playing Tottenham. <clears throat> we get to go back to that lovely stadium. We'll come back onto that a little bit later. Nine thousand tickets, which should be a pretty decent occasion. But you had fun actually <laughs> telling the world this was the case. Yeah, I was uh, working the, the late on Wednesday, so, so that basically meant watching the game and then uh, basically telling the world who, who Norwich's opponent was. Obviously, uh, Tottenham were, well, it went to 2 2, didn't it? Tottenham got a penalty. Son steps up to take that penalty. All the power in my house goes off completely. <laughs> um, so that means I lose all access to Wi Fi and, and everything that I was, I was doing. Um, so that was uh, became a very stressful half an hour or so as I tried to. Uh, wrestle against a, a power cut to try and get something up there but I, I, I did it in the end so uh, yeah people got to know it was Spurs eventually that's that's pretty interesting because what did people do 50 years ago did they wait for the paper the next day is that how they found out radio radio yeah, yeah a bit that was before teletext and stuff wasn't yeah. it but uh, yeah that's, I mean obviously you still should be coming <laughs> to the EDP evening news and pink and for the news first Exactly. That goes without saying. But unless there's a power cut. Unless there's a power cut. But you still got the job done. <laughs> I did, you, yeah. you you use modern technology to make sure that mm. you got over the line. The actual game though, Southampton were pretty and I watched, I only watched the first twenty minutes, um, then I because I was planning on watching a film and couldn't persuade the girlfriend to watch a non Norwich <laughs> game, unsurprisingly. But up to that point, Spurs were leading incredibly luckily. So pro- Based on that game, you wouldn't have thought Norwich had got too much to, to be daunted by. No, there were points in, in that game where, where certainly I was, I was hoping Norwich wouldn't have to face Southampton because mm. it, it looked like yeah. that was going to be a, a more difficult tie. And I think even uh, Jose Mourinho can see at the end. And when he's conceding that, you know, it's, it's pretty obvious that, that they weren't the better side. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's another trip to, to a fantastic stadium. Obviously, Spurs, are, are, it's, it's, it was difficult in, in either sense because I, I feel like Southampton and Spurs probably both see this competition as one they could potentially win. So... I think we're not going to get a Liverpool situation where Jose Mourinho is not going to turn up and we've, we've got the 23s to watch. I think it, it is going to be 
pretty much Spurs' Premier League team. So it's, it's going to be difficult. But yeah, on, on the evidence of uh, the last trip to, to the uh, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, as I think it's, it's referred to now, they've certainly got nothing to fear because, uh, yeah, I think it's fair to say Spurs aren't, haven't really clicked into gear yet under Mourinho. So it's going to be exciting and uh, who knows, it might keep the season alive for a bit longer. Sorry, um, this is to prove how switched off I was. What actually happened with the Liverpool game in the end? The Shrewsbury, did they play they the won. kids? They won, uh, yeah, they played the kids. Klopp didn't turn up. Uh, oh, they, yeah. they won, was it 1-0? Yeah, and, uh, Sh- yeah, yeah Shrewsbury did wow. take the lead, but it got ruled out by VAR. So there you go. Nothing changes. And, uh, <laughs> on, on a separate point about VAR, it also came out last week that uh, clubs who were playing Premier League teams would have to pay about £9,000 for VAR in, in the mm. competition, which was... Uh, a very interesting uh, statistic, wasn't it? A very interesting number. Just just to run it. So just what, just to. Own stadium or what? So if they went away, so if if you were a Peterborough United in League mm. One and you got a, a Premier League team in in the FA Cup and you were you were travelling to the Premier League ground, you had to pay half of the VAR costs, wow. which is. Uh, yeah. Modern football, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Liverpool, as um, quite a lot of people um, have been referring to them this season. Um, and by the sounds of it, we could see movement with VAR next season. The Premier League clubs, there's been reports in the last few days, isn't there, that uh, have sort of voiced their uh, preference that the if they're going to use these lines to decide the marginal offside calls uh, using the VAR, then the uh, line for the offensive player should be thicker to allow a little bit of more leeway for the attacking player. Yeah, yeah, because at the moment, as we saw perfectly with the Pookie one um, against Tottenham at Carrow Road, that that tiny little line, they really, you could almost argue that whether they had actually come to the right decision or not, couldn't you? Because it was so incredibly tight. So um, that sounds like that's how the Premier League clubs want it to evolve. Whether Norwich will still be a Premier League club at that stage is is another thing. Um, but uh, what does seem certain is that that won't change before the end of the season. So, uh, Pad, your week? Uh, any any travails? Very boring compared to <laughs> trails, travels to Morocco and power cuts. No, I was just, just in the office until... The weekend and but obviously having a rare weekend off that was that was the nicest aspect of our reasonable ten and days or so since we were last convened post Newcastle. Um didn't see Andy Carroll for the listeners <laughs> on the previous pod. Haven't seen him since, but uh did see my family back in the Midlands, so that was nice and um certain in, certain individual around this table was was on the uh, the journey with me and maybe we can switch that through to uh Sam McCallum scouting mission. Absolutely, yeah. Connor, you uh, went to Paddy's hometown to have a look at City's sort newest of. recruit. <laughs> well, oh yeah, of course, yeah, you weren't in Coventry. Yeah, sort of. I passed through on the way. I got, I got a train in Coventry, in fairness. <laughs> yeah. That's as close to Coventry as I got. I've forgotten about that. <laughs> they play at St Andrews, of course, yeah, don't they? They, they had a replay as well, didn't they? What happened yes. to that game? I don't know about <laughs> Birmingham v Coventry at Cov, and then it was a nil-nil, which went to a replay, didn't it? Has that been played yet? I don't think it... Uh, don't that he has? <laughs> Segway. <laughs> if I say that's Norwich City, I'll leave it there. But you go, you boys carry on. I'm just going to go next door. I'll be back. Could be breaking news for you. Mm-hmm. We shall see. Um, let's come back to Sam McCallum. Yeah, Norwich have just forked out a reported 3.5 million or a deal worth uh, yeah. up to that sort of uh, uh, scale. Uh, left back. Um, so you basically, you went to do a scouting report. Uh, we've got a little bit of audio from Connor's chat with Sam and with former Norwich striker Mark Robbins, who is the manager at Coventry. So we'll bring you that in a little bit. But you've written a nice piece for the paper, a, a full scouting report. But just give us a little bit of a, a snippet of what you've made of him. 
Yeah, I was. I, I mean, he, he had a qu- quite a quiet game. It was quite difficult because uh, he, he was up against a, a Bolton wing who Norwich had been linked with before, called Dennis Politic, who yeah. uh, is nineteen, Romanian, was very like probably the best player on the pitch. In fairness, um, and he sort of had to contend with him, particularly in the second half. So it was quite nice because in the first half, um, really got to see. His, his technical capabilities and what he offered sort of positionally and then the second half was all about how he defended so it was quite nice in terms of a, a sort of game and I felt he coped quite well I can certainly see why they like him because technically he's, he's very good um, there were a couple of times where he had to deal with some difficult crossfield passes to be fair um, and, and he did that excellently um, I, I think there's, there's still definitely areas for improvement I, I think in terms of his decision making there was points where he needed to support the tack a bit better and actually probably stayed back a bit too much and was a bit too cautious and there were other times where he went too far and um, almost got positionally got caught so there's there's still areas of improvement I, but I, I can see what I like him because technically he's very good uh, he's got a long throw which is another interesting element but he didn't use it in the way that Rory Delap used to use it where it's just a, a hurl it into the box and, and hope for the best it was used to to almost try and find a striker then to play off the second ball but they they play good football actually at Coventry and um, maybe guilt I was guilty of, of going in there with a bit of a preconception of, of thinking that it was going to be a bit uh, rough and tumble but it wasn't he's, he's got certainly a, a good education he's playing as a left wing back um, and if you think about how Norwich used their full backs then, then that's that's a very good education for him so a lot that I liked, a lot that I, I think that he needs to improve on, but yeah, I can I can certainly see him as a Norwich City player for the future. Yeah, wing backs is something I think we've talked about. Um, we we expected we'd see more of this season if uh, Norwich would have been able to play three at the back. Um, mm. So is he closer to a Jamal Lewis or a, or a Sam Byram in 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 sort of style? Lewis for me, I think. Yeah. I, I think I, yeah, he's, he's very similar to, to Jamal Lewis. I think he's, he's perhaps a bit more defensively minded than, uh, say, a Max Ahrens. Or, I mean, Byron's quite defensively minded anyway, but, but certainly if, if you were going to pit him between Lewis and Ahrens, I think he's, he's similar to Lewis. He's not blessed with particularly raw pace. Um, he doesn't really want to get the ball and drive at people. It's, it's more trying to pick up intelligent positions. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think more of a Lewis, and you can certainly see in terms of a contingency plan, if, if Lewis is to move on, that McCallum is, is not a light-for-light replacement, but there's a lot of qualities that they share, I think. Yeah. OK, so you just got to get on a plane or a train to Sochaux now <laughs> to see how uh, Melvin City's getting yeah, on. Tampa Bay as well, uh, for <laughs> Louis Lomas, so I'll, I'll, go, I'll go anyway, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you will. <laughs> right, um, well, that seems a good point to bring you a little bit of Sam McCallum and Coventry boss, and of course, former Norwich striker, Mark Robbins. Norwich obviously have a, a bit of a track record at the moment, don't they, for, for developing young players, yeah. particularly young fullbacks, yeah. Max Aaron and, and Jamal Lewis. Was that part of your thinking behind this move? Yeah, it was probably one of the main um, reasons why I moved to Norwich. So obviously, the philosophy is, is great down there. Um, they've obviously brought down, brought through Ben Godfrey, uh, Max Aaron, Jamal Lewis, um, and obviously they all started week in, week out. So, um, and then you've got um, them moving on to England as well now. So, that's what I want to. That's what I aspire to do. Right then. And in, in, in terms of that sort of non-league footing that, that you had, do you think that's, that's helped you in, in perhaps a different way to being in a professional academy? Yeah, it's sort of given me a, a base layer as to like, men's football and good experience, um, sort of gamesmanship and getting used to all of that, all the time-wasting and stuff <laughs> like that. So, um, But now, yeah, the non-league aspect of it all has proper helped me. Um, obviously get to Coventry, let alone Norwich. So, yeah. the, the, the thing for me is that there's some that, there's some that can handle it and, and some can't. But he's a, char- he's, he's a type of character, the type of personality that he's just been. And ever since he came through the door, he's just handled everything. 
He's very level-headed. He's got a good family. They uh, they all support him really well, and um, yeah, it's. Uh, I was sorry to, to to lose him in all fairness because he's just progressing with us really well. Wanted him to stay for another eighteen months if we could because he could get to a, a level with us. But um, yeah, it's uh, Norwich is a good club. I know that. I played there for for nearly three years, so you know. I've told him that and said it's a really good place to, to play your football. The supporters are passionate. You know, you've got a you've got a, a, a team there that, that may go down, may may get relegated this year. They're in the championship next season, maybe. But if they can survive in that, it's a fantastic um, club for him to, to to be at because they they develop. And O'Neill Adams, obviously, I played with him when when he was there. He's still there, um, and they develop players as well. So yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a decent. Uh, a decent choice for him if he was if he was going to leave here. I don't think there's a better place for him to go to. Okay, Paddy's back in the room, and we're waiting for the breaking news. And it seems we might not be going to the game on Saturday. Breaking news is we haven't got our accreditation in, David. So if we don't pull our fingers out, then we'll be watching it on the t- is on the telly, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. half-five kick-off, isn't it? Yeah. Or, like, infamously, the, I won't name him, there used to be, when I first started at Archant, um, there was a, we had a Roxham correspondent, and he actually ended up having to watch games up a ladder, looking over oh, the stand. Yeah. Uh, but I think that was more that he'd fell out with individuals at Roxham. <laughs> uh, FA Vars, quarter-finalists, Roxham, of course. Segway? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, we might have to get a very long ladder to peer over the back of the city stand if we don't sort our accreditation out. And that's what the phone call was, uh, one of our helpful... P- uh, individuals we deal with at Norwich City. Book a hotel room. Oh, the hotel room. I don't think you're allowed, though, are you? I think those rooms you're on match day. To. Dress yeah. up as a curtain, you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Fear not, dear listener, it will be fine. Uh, we are firmly on top of the situation. This is what happens when uh, when we have time off. <laughs> uh, we will be at the Liverpool game at Carrow Road. Fear not. Um, in terms of uh, Norwich's winter break, though, Pad, the players. Uh, um, I guess it wasn't a, a uniform thing, but I think most of them were back in training by the by the end of last week, that sort of thing, or certainly by the weekend, weren't they? It's not like they've all, you know, disappeared off on on big holidays. I, I see on Instagram that quite a few, you know, have gone on a short break to a Dubai or something like that. But this isn't the opportunity to go to Australia for two weeks or something, is it? No, you don't not anyway. But um, yeah, I think that was the vibe. Daniel said after straight after Newcastle that he wanted to go and give them actual some time away from. Colney and, and that environment um, and yeah yeah, I'm sure people who are on Instagram will have seen one or two nice destinations I think Kenny McLean was in Dubai wasn't he I think I'm pretty sure and uh, one or two others so I didn't see any in Morocco there was none in Morocco <laughs> no very, you, you only go to the most exclusive places that's why that was but uh, <laughs> they can't afford to go where you go to oh uh, yeah <laughs> spot on yeah so uh, no from yeah what I led to believe I think they were all back in Saturday onwards and um and clearly now, full full steam ahead. Focus is all about Liverpool. Absolutely. Um, but there was some action this weekend. Um, just to have a quick look back on that. Everton beat Palace 3-1. Brighton held to a 1-1 draw at home by Watford. And Sheffield United just keep on going. They're just they're having such a great season. Up in fifth. I think it's two points adrift of Chelsea in fourth, aren't they? It's quite the season they're having. They came back from behind as well, I think, wasn't it? To beat Bournemouth 2-1 at home. So, uh, the situation at the bottom of the table hasn't really changed at all for Norwich. They remain seven points adrift of Villa, who um, haven't played uh, yet. They're six points adrift of Watford, who, as I say, played. So, if you know, massive if managed to somehow beat Liverpool this uh, Saturday at Carrow Road, then they would cut the 
gap at the bottom to uh, three points at least on Watford and the games because basically this winter break it's staggered so that everybody gets um, uh, sort of a two weeks off um, although it technically is really only a week off isn't it um, so the fixtures this weekend are Southampton v Burnley is the 12.30 game on Saturday and then of course Norwich Liverpool at 5.30 and then on Sunday Villa host Spurs and Arsenal host Newcastle so we shall see how things go. But let's talk Liverpool. Let me just remind you of their record so far in the Premier League. Played 25 games, won 24 games, drawn one, lost zero, scored 60 goals, conceded 15. They've got 73 points. They have made the best start to a season of anyone in the big five leagues in Europe. Better than Barcelona have ever managed in Spain, than Bayern Munich have ever managed in Germany. They have been absolutely exceptional. So, Connor, how do you beat them? (laughs) If I knew that, I'd have a very good uh, job in management, I think. Um, I I, I was just trying to look for a tweet there, but it it said that... the gap is 22 points isn't it I think in the championship that's the difference between about 1st and 21st but wow. I, I might need some, to check that um, fully but it's, it's something like that which which just goes to show how brilliant this Liverpool team is and you can argue about the quality of the division to get that amount of points I think it's 100 from the last 102 as well uh, we could sit here and, and talk about loads of records in, in terms of how you beat them <laughs> Honestly, it's it's going to be very very difficult. I, I think uh, they they may need a, a few from the stands to come on the pitch and, and form part of their defensive shape to to stop that front three. But what, a few extra keepers. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Can, can they play three goalkeepers? <laughs> give, give it a go. Um, but it's football, isn't it? I think everything to do with logic says they can't do it. But those records and those statistics are there to be broken. Um, it's why people will turn up on Saturday in case that does happen to say I was there if and um, we've already seen this season that the unexpected can happen and, and Norwich can pull these results from, from somewhere. Uh, I think they're going to need that and then some to, to do it again. Um, but it's, it's going to be interesting and, and it's going to be interesting to see how Norwich stand up to that test because I think most people would say they probably did a relatively good job at, on the opening night at Anfield and they got beat 4-1. So that, that goes to show the levels, doesn't it? Um, yeah, it's going to be very, very difficult, and all logic says they can't do it, but it's about that 0.1% that, that says they can. Yeah, if Marcus Stevenman would have had his shoot bits with him on the opening night, it could have been a different story. Um, and you always need a bit of luck, don't you, on these mm. nights? Uh, you need them to be off their game. If we think back to that Manchester City uh, night, which was amazing, but they had far more chances than Norwich did in the game. They still dominated, it's just they missed a lot of chances. Otamendi basically handed Norwich a goal on a plate and you you have to catch them on a bad night don't you we're talking about multi multi million pound squads here you know this is for Norwich to be stepping up from um, you know first season under Daniel Farke they finished 14th in the championship and now they're taking on basically some of the best players in the world you know Sadio Mane was African footballer of the year wasn't he I think this year um, of course Mo Salah a brilliant player as well Firmino Van Dijk Allison. They they are just fantastic aren't they Pad so I guess from a Norwich point of view is this one of the few occasions given that Godfrey's back as well where Daniel does have to consider parking the bus well, when you boys were there talking about Connor said get people out of the stands if they had a few bricklayers and they could brick the goal up because <laughs> I don't see too many other ways of halting this Liverpool team that said I mean you say 60 goals but 60 goals in 20 30, how many? 25 games 
Yeah, so you know, you know, work that out per game ratio. Well, it isn't. It's not so like they're putting they're, five yeah. and five and six plus teams. Um, and I don't. I think they're an economical side. They've, I mean, the consistency is the frightening thing. And and you know, they come to Norwich as European champions. They're world champions, club world champions. If they had the Premier League title, um, I think they're on a par with those great Liverpool teams of the seventies and eighties for me. Um, and and that's. That's saying something because they they were the dominant force uh, across Europe for for a number of years. But you cannot argue with those numbers. But I I don't fear what we'll see is you know uh, famous last words here. But the Norwich will be absolutely routed because I don't think that's how this Liverpool side are necessarily set up. They are very good on the counter attack rather than uh, like a Barcelona where they just pass you and pass you at Barcelona and then pump where they'd have 70-80% of possession and it was just relentless one other thing if you want to cling to a straw I'll just double check there they've, on the Tuesday night after they play Norwich they've got to go to Atletico Madrid in the last 16 is it of the Champions League yeah. so in terms of the mindset um, of course before the game Klopp will say Norwich is the only one I'm thinking about Norwich is the most important game rah 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 but subconsciously those players they'll probably be looking at it and thinking Norwich yep yeah, we don't need to be on our A game necessarily because we've got a huge Champion League game and that given that it looks like they've got the league in the bag I'm sure to be a team who go back to back Real Madrid have done it recently haven't they but to go back to back in the Champions League really is a badge of honour and um, I just think if there is a hint of complacency then that's the sort of thing that could play into tipping it slightly back in Norwich's um, potential to pull off what would be a completely shock result for me I said didn't I on the last pod it's just popped into my head I think this would be the greatest result ever that Norwich have ever achieved if they were to do it and I've seen no reason to alter that opinion so that is the scale of the task but I've heard Daniel say it a few times this season it is a cliche but you know, it is 11 against 11 on a patch of grass with two goals at either end so things can happen um, but the balance of probabilities tell you that uh, we'll be rolling on to the next game uh, with no more points added to Norwich's tally, sadly. I mean, there's no pressure on Norwich at all, is there? Everybody will expect them to get beaten 4-0. That, that's the point they go in at. Anything, you know, even if they make a good game of it and they were to lose 2-0, I think you'd be able to take some positives out of that because Liverpool are, are just so good. And, of course, we've talked about the fact that Norwich are in reasonably good form but Tony you were saying about the recent games against or not the most recent games yeah. against Liverpool weren't you and I mean the, the last one was the 5-4 wasn't it the uh, when Basong uh, rattled one in late and then Russell Martin's uh, nightmare pass yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that was when Klopp lost his glasses wasn't it I remember it you, you being quite infuriated by his behaviour on that day Pad after after we recorded a pod after that one not a big fan of it, of the man if I'm brutally honest as a coach then as we've discussed at length phenomenal coach absolutely phenomenal coach how he gets world class players playing in that kind of hungry manner relentless manner but uh, no I'm not having him or Guardiola for that matter as a man <laughs> I think they're quite an arrogant individual and uh I guess that, you have to be to a certain extent well, to do, manage yeah, a, yeah, that of course, level. Yeah, you have to basically have self-belief bordering on, you know, the as I say, the almost arrogant. But um, I just think the way they carry themselves, not necessarily my cup of tea. I didn't like how he handled the whole Shrewsbury replay thing and uh, just really reaffirmed what I saw the first time I saw him up close and personal, which was, yeah, walking into the Cairo press room on that occasion, holding his glasses and it was all about oh ha ha very hilarious you know yeah it's all about you Jürgen but uh, so really since that point not having him as a man but uh, <laughs> can't argue with him as a coach um, but I'd like 
not to have to see him wandering in with his glasses and that big grin he's got on his face, <laughs> um, if at all possible. He does like to have a laugh. Um, that, I am right. That was five four was the last one, and was was there a four three before that as well? Yeah. So the last the last eight against Liverpool. Um, if we, if we go reverse, so starting, Brace yourselves. starting from this season, 4-1 defeat. That, we were there, obviously. And then, yeah, the 5-4 defeat. Then the 1-1 draw was at the Russ Martin equaliser yeah, in 2015. Right, yeah. Then a 3-2 defeat at Carrow Road. 3-2. Yeah, 3-2 three, three, defeat. Then, that was uh, the Neil Adams game, wasn't it? The 3-2, I think. Yeah, April 2014. When Rodgers was going for the title, yeah, with Sterling and... Oh, yeah. We go Norwich! We go Norwich! As oh, Gerard had said, famously. Okay, yeah. yeah. And then we've got a 5-1 defeat, a 5-0 defeat, a 5-2 defeat, a 3-0 defeat. There we go. I mean, <laughs> we're, we're back into Suarez territory yeah, yeah. then, and thankfully that man is no longer around. Norwich do seem to score, though, at least one, so that's positive. Yeah. I guess that's the style of the two clubs, isn't it? Yeah. Both their, their, their fans expect their teams to play football don't they so um, the, the thing that you said there Pat is about the consistency and I think when you're seeing um, Henderson and Milner still playing such a key role for them that sort of backs that up quite a lot but they, they play a 4-3-3 basically don't they with their wing backs just fantastic Andrew Robertson Trent Alexander-Arnold and they do put the ball into the box quite a bit as well don't they even though they don't really play with a with a big man but I think it's more the probabilities isn't it they just chuck the ball in the box a lot and see what happens which Right. Norwich certainly could do more of I just wonder whether Godfrey's back from his ban of course so Daniel's got that option I can't see him doing it but if I was him I think I'd be considering going three at the back have Hanley in the middle Just his job is just to head everything clear and just lump it clear if you have to every time Godfrey and Zimmerman to just play their normal game try and set a bit of passing either side then you can have I'd probably say Lewis and Aaron's if you're going to play full backs you've got to have Buendia back in that mix somewhere I'd probably just play him up around Pookie and then your midfield three you're probably looking at what Teti, Tribal and Rancic or McLean in your central midfield something along those lines but would you agree Connor that you'd be surprised to see Daniel make such a big change? Yeah, I would be surprised. Mainly because of the lack of cover, to be fair. I think he, he would use that as an excuse, even though he would probably argue Teti can play at centre-back. And uh, I think Teti against Firmino, you probably wouldn't fancy. Um, but, but yeah, I, I like the idea in, in, in principle. I, I worry a bit about the the overloads out wide in that situation, particularly with, with how their full-backs advance, because they're essentially, the way Alexander-Arnold and, and Robertson are, are deployed, they're essentially two number 10s as full-backs, aren't they? And it's not so much the delivery, it's the accuracy of their delivery. And, and again, it comes back to that keyword consistency. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of midfield, I, I think i probably agree in, in terms of getting McLean up there in, 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 instead of Rancic, uh, just to try and get as many legs in there as possible, because what Liverpool do and, and what their midfield is designed to do is be very functional and support their press and um, Norwich are going to have to have legs to deal with that and I, I think if you put in a Mario Vrancic who perhaps isn't the quickest and isn't the greatest in transition then I fear a little bit about it but I, I can certainly see a situation where a uh, three at the back would be would, would be an interesting one to, to deploy um, I, I think it's, it's, it, look, it's going to be an up, uphill task whatever they do because they know what to expect from Liverpool. I don't think that's a secret to anyone. It's about how they stop that. And uh, I think a three at the back could pose a, a, a real challenge to them. But ultimately, it's about managing those periods in games and keeping themselves in the game for a period as well. Because if they can do that, and Pad has said about the, the trip to Atletico that they've got in midweek, and, and you try and get a bit more uncertainty into their, into their team, let's see how they cope with that pressure. And if 
Um, that, that's when I think Norwich could profit a little bit and, and maybe nick something on the counter-attack. But yeah, I, I think, and I know we're going to come on to this later, but yeah, I think whatever they do, I think Emi Buendia has to be on that side. Yeah, and to flip it on its head, Pad, in terms of defensive, um, when Connor was talking there, I had the horrible memory of the Van Dijk ridiculously easy header at Anfield on the opening night when Jamal, Jamal was was marking for some reason. I mean, there is one man that should be marking Virgil van Dijk on Saturday night, and that is Grant Hanley. He should literally be sticking to him like glue at any set piece because he is their main aerial threat. If we uh, go along the assumption that Daniel won't switch to three at the back, he's then got a difficult decision to make, hasn't he? Grant Hanley's been playing pretty well, probably been playing better than Zimmerman in, in recent weeks. Do you think it would just be beyond harsh for Hanley to be dropped and Godfrey to come straight back in or do we as we've probably hinted at before just think that Godfrey and Zimmerman is his preferred pairing? Well it certainly seems that way because the three when available Bournemouth recently it was out you come Grant Ben's coming straight back in and uh, and then Ben obviously did what he did towards the end got himself a free game ban it was in you come Grant no so if you ask me what Daniel was going to do, then I wouldn't be at all surprised to to see him restore Godfrey alongside Zimmerman. For me, Zimmerman comes out of that side and Hanley stays in it and you bring Godfrey back um, because I don't think Hanley, his level of performance is inferior to Zimmerman's of late. I've been a little bit disappointed with Christoph. really. Looks like it's caught up with him, I think. Um, you know, If you go back and look at his personal Premier League story, you know, he, he was injured in the summer, so he's basically effectively not had a pre-season. Then he came back um, 20 minutes in against West Ham. Halaire catches up with him and then he's out again for a lengthy period. Comes back supposedly well ahead of schedule. Has that now caught up with him? Because I, I, I don't feel his level of performance week in, week out has been good enough. He's been poor on the ball as well when he's asked to step up into midfield. Um, so if you're asking me who would I pick as the two, if it's in a two, it's Hanley and then one other. And I think you probably would go with Godfrey because he's got that athleticism. Um, and the movement of Liverpool in the, in the final third um, his athleticism his pace gets him out of difficult situations um, so I, I think that's a very straightforward choice but you know Daniel is a very loyal man and his championship title winning team was built around Zimmerman and Godfrey and as I say when all three were available for the Bournemouth game it was Zimmerman and Godfrey so yeah if it goes that way put it this way I think Grant Hanley could quite rightly maybe on a quiet moment on a Monday morning for thereafter maybe have a knock on his door and just ask what was that about because I think that would be quite harsh on Grant Hanley Yeah, Godfrey's passing was really good in that Bournemouth game wasn't it um, that sort of justified Daniel's decision ahead of the red card but then last weekend Hanley's, uh, Hanley had the best pass success rate of, in the entire Norwich team didn't he So, yeah. um, and I think at Newcastle his use of the ball was pretty good simple he, you know, he's not going to spray a ball like, um, like Godfrey does but um, I don't know if you saw this as well um, uh, on Twitter somebody put together a thread of almost borderline offensive um, roles for every club captain in the Premier League so if they were not a footballer so Grant Hanley <laughs> what would Grant Hanley be if he wasn't a footballer and this guy did it for I don't know who he was but he did one for every club captain and I, I wouldn't repeat some of them because I'd imagine some of the players were, were quite offended but for Grant Hanley he went with AA driver usually found somewhere around the M25 <laughs> a strong advocate of Scottish independence <laughs> which I, I thought was reasonably decent and I don't think Grant would take too much offence although um, I doubt he'd um, want to play along too much uh, Tony for you based on how, how Hanley did at, at Newcastle at, at as a former Newcastle player, he probably took as much 
satisfaction from that nil-nil draw as Tim Krull would have done. So do you, can you see any way that Daniel can drop it? Well, based on that performance, no. But Daniel's going to look at it as the way Newcastle play and the way Liverpool play, aren't they? I mean, yeah. Newcastle didn't really press how Liverpool are going to press them, do they? So um, I think what Paddy said is right. It seems like he likes Zimmerman and Godfrey is his preferred, but I'd go with what you're saying, play three at the back. I think that's how Man United set up against them when that was a nil-nil, wasn't it? 1-1, one, one, I think. 1-1, one, one, yeah. yeah. And I'm pretty sure he effectively parked the bus because Matic scored, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. so there was a bit of controversy almost when the United fans yeah. sort of having to appreciate how far behind they were Liverpool. Yeah, right? exactly. That was kind of the watershed moment, wasn't it? Mm. The, this, is, this is where we are now. But yeah, for Norwich to park the bus, that's not really their style. And I don't think they could do that for 90 minutes and not concede. So they might as well play their way, try and score a couple and hope they don't concede three or four. From true crime to football, Brexit to folklore. For more great podcasts from Archant, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archant. Well, I'm really looking forward to it, though, despite all that we've said. I mean, obviously, it's always great to, to see the top players, you know, seeing Salah, Firmino, Mane, all these great players at Carrode is great in itself. It's part of, you know, why everyone wants promotion, isn't it? But equally, Carrode's going to be absolutely buzzing for it. It is sort of last chance saloon for Norwich already, as I've already said that there's no pressure on them either. So everyone would just be thinking about that September night, won't they, against Manchester City, when it all came together and those full-time yeah. celebrations will drive everyone on because if, if, if somehow they are repeating those sort of celebrations again at full-time, yeah. then who knows what's going to happen for the remainder of this season. It's the same kickoff time, isn't it? 5.30 Saturday. So yes, it was. The omens are with Norwich. Because I was, I was on a stag do in Derbyshire on the Friday and I, I was able to get back in time without having to break my neck too much to, to get back for it. But it was the day after my birthday as well. I remember that being September the 14th, um, Manchester, uh, the, the win over Manchester City. So, yeah, definitely looking forward to that. After that, um, we've got uh, some more interesting um, fixtures. Uh, Wolves away, Leicester home, Sheffield United away. Nice and easy. And then we've got one that we can really look forward to. 9,000 fans potentially going to the Tottenham Stadium. We've all been very fortunate to have a, a good look at it already, haven't we? And just a few weeks ago. Great stadium. And... This is, I mean, it's going to be a bit of a bun fight for the tickets, I would have imagined. But yeah. I, I guess everyone must be really, really pleased that they've got another opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I mean what a stadium it is as well. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that, that we've got another opportunity to go there as well. Because, <laughs> why, are you, why are you glad, Connor? Well, because of the football? <laughs> it's the, uh, the tennis pitch size uh, we'll screen. Put it this way, we've just got to hope that the FA Cup run doesn't crumble. <laughs> very good. Very good. I, I think you've done that in a, in a subtle way. I did have a comment through from somebody uh, that we talk about food too much. Ooh. So you. So we won't talk about the food, but in terms of the stadium, um, it's just that. But on the pitch, of course, the cup run. I think we're probably just going to have to park that for now, aren't we? And see where they are in four games' time. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think. And I'm, interesting enough, I was doing a bit about uh, great escapes last week. Not that I'm feeling that optimistic, but uh, it, it seems like a lot of them sort of kick start with, with 10 games to go, and Norwich are, are a few games away from that. So that's probably the, the crumb of comfort I would take, although it looks like it's probably going to take a run similar to what Leicester did. Um, 
the year before they won the title under Nigel Pearson, um, <laughs> where I think it was 22 points they got in the, in the last 10 games, yeah. which is incredible. Um, but then equally, some have had three wins and lots of draws. So uh, who, who knows? It's, it's not beyond the realms that they can produce that. Um, and this is, what, a Monday. So I'm, I'm probably feeling more optimistic now than if you asked me on Friday uh, when, when that, that task of Liverpool is um, a, a bit more... Uh, a bit more real, but who knows? Who knows? I, I think it, they're, they're at an interesting point because nobody's expecting anything of them anymore. Um, probably some of their own fans won't be expecting a lot, and, and that could work in their favour because it's. I think expectation almost is, is it's more difficult to perform when you've got expectation. I think when you're free of that, you can always almost go and express yourself, and that links itself to the Liverpool game quite nicely because they're free of anything, and if they can from somewhere produce a win or a result then that could be enough to kick start something and, and not just amongst a group of players but also get the fans back on side and, and get a bit of belief and of course everything logical says they can't do it but if, if people are relying on emotion then then why not I, I suppose they're going to have to get beaten eventually will, will, will be the approach but who knows it's it's it does feel like it is a bit last chance saloon, um, but but yeah, that cup run in four weeks' time, I think is is going to be the point where it's either game on or or, or focus on the FA Cup. Um, but again, they're, they're facing the Spurs side who are going to take that very seriously, so that's going to be very difficult in itself. But who knows if, if they play how they did in in the game a, a few weeks ago, then they've got a, a very real chance because they probably did enough to get at least a point on, on that occasion. And um, in front of nine thousand fans, I, I think there's. Uh, there's probably a bigger appetite for them to go and repeat that again. And if they can get a positive result and, and get through to the next round, then that could be quite a nice distraction for the rest of the season. Who knows? Strange things happen at this time of year mm. in survival <clears throat> races. Um, but, Pad, of course, we went to Arsenal, didn't we? Uh, yeah. Me, you and Michael, uh, what was it, two and a half years ago nearly now? Uh, that was nearly 9,000 Norwich fans that day, wasn't it? And that was some sight, seeing them, all that yellow taking up one end of, of the Emirates. And we had a, a bit of fun in games before the games as well in the pub, didn't we? Not drinking, Dave. No, <laughs> sadly. No, sadly, no. We did a did a Facebook live, and uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I don't know. It was like being at a pop concert in terms of the crowd. Not because we turned up there. I used to <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I was staying well out of the way. This man was in the thick of it, but um, yeah, no. That was a phenomenal experience in terms of that volume of travelling support. And if they do get anywhere near nine thousand, having experienced it direct. Uh, two weeks ago that will be a brilliant night that will be a brilliant occasion and then you hope the players can rise to that and perform as they did two weeks ago I'd take that performance again all day long my only concern in terms of the, the game is Harry Kane looks like he's he's back in light training and you know if he trains on again now if he's dropped into the mix bearing in mind he wasn't available when the Tides met in the Premier League I think that firmly tips the balance in Tottenham's favour if we're talking in terms of progress potentially but if he wasn't fit, I really would fancy Norris's chances of progressing. I, I, I don't know, I've just got a funny feeling that they could probably get a result. I mean, it's to a finish on the night, there'll be no replay, so extra time and penalties, 9,000, yes please, let's have that. That Did might pose a problem for us. In what regard? Well, if it goes to extra time and penalties... Not enough time to eat. <laughs> not enough time to get on the old tube. 
yeah. I think we'll be all right. I think it runs until midnight. But um, it also means we uh, can't uh, attend the podcast awards that we've been oh, yes. nominated for, which is the Publisher Podcast Awards, isn't it? Uh, that clashes the same night, typically. So we'll, we'll record one of their automated messages. Well, we're sorry we can't <laughs> be here. Yeah. Or we'll get Margot Robbie to read it because uh, <laughs> that, yeah. because we're not there in a Brad Pitt style. Uh, I'll get in touch to see what she thinks. Get Paul to do it. <laughs> yeah. Hip side. Um, yeah, they'll have to FaceTime us in the press box when, when we inevitably win that award, I'm, I'm, I'm quite sure. <laughs> um, right, well, um, I think that's a, a good point to, to wrap the show, the winter break special. Thank you very much uh, for listening. We'll have loads more for you ahead of Saturday's game, of course. Um, we will have more podcast uh, bonus Issue editions uh, for you to listen to ahead of kickoff on Saturday. Of course, the press conference will be on Friday as normal, which we will guide you through. There'll be lots to talk about. I think we'll probably have to dig out some of the uh, famous uh, upsets at Carrow from the past. There'll be, there's going to be plenty to talk about throughout this week. So, um, thank you very much for listening. Whether you're listening to us on your chosen podcast provider or on future Radio 107.8 FM, we do appreciate you listening, and we will catch up with you very soon.